message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rupert. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Give me give me a wave. I can see some wonderful screens there. Some <clears throat> happy, smiley people. Great to see you all. If you're with us on uh, YouTube or Church Online as well as Zoom, then it's fantastic to have you with us. Really, really good to see you. Now, <clears throat> it's a bit unusual preaching this early in, in the in the service, isn't it? This uh, uh, this wasn't my idea. Adam suggested in our uh, prayer meeting we had earlier. Just with the, the theme of today, what I'm going to look at, he said, well, why don't we worship after you preach? And I went, okay, change. But that's okay. I think it was a fantastic idea. The danger to this idea, and I'm going to put it out there right now, is that I can look at my watch and go, it's quarter past 10. I've got a good 45, 50, 55 minutes till I need to finish and forget that we need to respond in worship. So um, you can't really do anything about that because there's, I don't know, you know, there's no options here, but I'm just going to have to work hard to not think that I've got until 10 past 11 to, to keep going. So I will do my best to stay disciplined on time. Um, but it was a fantastic idea, actually, that we switched things around today because it gives us an opportunity to respond in worship to what I'm going to preach about today and to God's word. And actually, you, you, we see in Nehemiah, don't we? So often the response to the reading of God's word is worship, is celebration. And, and God's word is spoken and preached and explained. And there's a response, isn't there? And for us today, we get the opportunity to respond in a little while. So, so last week, if you were with us, Ray looked at Nehemiah chapters 9 and 10, and um, you might be thinking, well, we're going to go for 11 next. Well, actually, chapter 11 uh, and the first half of chapter 12 are lists of people. Now, don't get me wrong. If you know me, you know that I like lists. I mean, I, I really like lists. I, I keep lists about where the lists are. You know, lists of things are great and lists of lists of people are great because these are individual people that are important to God. He knows them all by name and indeed knows us all by name. But we're not going to spend time today reading those lists. You can do that uh, if you so wish. Read through uh, chapter 11 and the first half of 12. But suffice to say, we've got here lists of the new residents of Jerusalem, together with the priests and the Levites. But what I want us to do today is jump into the second half of chapter 12. And then the next week, we'll look at just the final few verses of chapter 12. And uh, so for the sake of time, I'm going to skip the lists of names that we get, but you can see um, who it's described. So if you've got a Bible and you're following along there, we're in Nehemiah chapter 12. We'll start reading at verse 27 and uh, we'll, we'll jump through a few verses and get to verse 43. So Nehemiah chapter 12. And verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals and harps and lyres. 
The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, for the villages of Nethethites and Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I had also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, towards the Dungate. In verse 36, you get some uh, details there of who's heading off in, uh, in that direction. Then verse 36, Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent of the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall over the gate of Ephraim to Jesna gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hanel and the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half of the officials. Then in verse 42. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezariah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that we've learned from Nehemiah so far. And we pray today that you would illuminate your word to us. And come and be our teacher, we pray, Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we see in verse 27 that we started reading there that the Levites were, were summoned to Jerusalem. We're, we're told they were sought out and brought to Jerusalem. And the reason for this is that they might celebrate joyfully. And the key words here in the passage there is joyfully, isn't it? They were summoned to celebrate joyfully. This was no ordinary, everyday worship service, if indeed there is such a thing as an ordinary, everyday worship service. This was a major celebration. And it's not the only time in Scripture, by any means, where people are called to celebrate with joy. In fact, Right at the beginning of God's word, the people of God are commanded to be joyful at their festival. It's in Deuteronomy 16, right, right towards the beginning of scripture. And then all throughout the Old Testament, you get numerous examples of the people celebrating with great joy before the Lord. I think one of my one of my favorite is the is the story, the account of King Jehoshaphat. And if you remember King Jehoshaphat, he he sends out the worshippers and the singers right at the head of the army, right in front of the soldiers to worship and praise God. And you, if you know the story, you'll know that the Lord gives them a great victory. But there's numerous numerous times right throughout 
scripture where we, we see that God's people are called to worship, to praise, to celebrate joyfully before him. I mean, just a few examples from the psalm. Psalm 16, you've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. Psalm 30, you turn my wailing into dancing, you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. The Bible actually commands us to be joyful in our worship. Psalm 33, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for, say it together, joy and so on. Many, many examples. Probably my favourite is Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And just in case you think, well, that's that's all about Old Testament times, you know, that, that was then. What about, what about now? What about New Testament times? Well, you know, we've got numerous examples in the New Testament as well. Paul says this to the Romans in Romans chapter 14. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, again, you find right throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, time and time again, we're, we're instructed to worship and respond to God in, in joy. And just in case you think that this joy is only related to your present circumstances. Do you remember the, the account of the Macedonian churches in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? Paul says that in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You know, these were churches that were, were poor, that going through a severe trial, and yet still... They were generous and had great overflowing joy about them. James puts it like this at the beginning of his letter in chapter one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So actually, we can see here that the joy that the Bible talks about isn't related particularly to our present circumstances, but it seems to be something much deeper than that. It's a common theme. It's what should characterise our worship, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of trials, we're called still to worship and to worship with joy. Now, to be clear, I'm not advocating a pretense of things. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. You know, I'm not saying it's about trying to put a mask on and pretend it's okay when it isn't. I'm not saying that at all. But rather we see from scripture that joy that the Bible talks about clearly is something that's deeper and that comes from somewhere other than just our personal circumstances at any given moment. The good news is, this isn't something you have to try and work up. 
yourself it isn't something you have to try and sort of generate to be to be joyful oh well, i'm really going to be joyful today it's not about that but rather knowing that this joy is something that god gives you may remember that paul lists the fruit of the spirit in galatians chapter 5 and he reminds us here that joy is part of this it's something that god gives by his Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I have to count them out on my fingers to make sure I remember all nine. Maybe you do when you list it as well. But we've got joy in there right after love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Obviously, it's love. You'd say, of course, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is love. The second fruit is joy. Deep joy that God gives us. So, so dear friends, as we learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, as we allow the fruits of the Spirit to be manifest in our lives, you'll find if you allow God to do that, you'll become more joyful, as well as more patient and kinder and more loving and gentle, etc. Joy is something the Holy Spirit loves to work out in our life. It's interesting, it's not a gift, so it's not a, oh, I've got joy or I haven't. No, actually, this is something that is a fruit of the Spirit that God wants to be seen in our lives. And I, I can think of a few people I've known over the years who I certainly have seen overcome with the joy of the Lord. And that seems to be in that moment it is something that God is doing in their life. I, I can remember numerous occasions of praying for some people and, and they're just laughing and laughing and overcome with the joy of the Lord. That's a thing in the moment that, that God is doing. The fruit of the Spirit is an ongoing thing that is evident in our life now we're going to get back to nehemiah in a moment and we, we need to but just before we do let let me pause for a moment and ask you this question how's your joy how's your joy does joy characterize your life right now you know i, I know that many of you are in a tough season right now i know for some there's mourning for many there's been loss frustration but the bible teaches us that the joy that the holy spirit gives still can be at work even through and in those tough times even in the most difficult of moments you can still know the joy of the lord I received an email uh, this week from a particular Christian ministry that I, I was interested in, and it was headed something like, um, do you feel that your joy is under attack? I thought, that's a great question. Do you feel that your joy is under attack? Well, I guess many of us would say, yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I feel that my, my joy is under attack. Well, this particular email went on to, to quote from Romans 15, where, where Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of this Holy Spirit. 
as I read that verse again, I thought, you know what? I think often we focus on the peace bit. I think we often talk about, like, my God's peace for you. And, and that's, that's true. You know, that, that is true. The Bible says that. God does want to give you his peace. And friends, this morning, if you need God's peace, he wants to give it to you. It's right here in his word. But listen, what else is there as well? It's joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. So, so listen, friends, this morning, if you feel that your joy is under attack, I love that phrase. If you feel that right now you're in a bit of a tough season, even in a battle, a bit like our, our Old Testament kingly friend Jehoshaphat that I referred to earlier. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Maybe if you're watching this on Zoom, why don't you click on the raise hand thing on Zoom? And uh, I want to pray for you, particularly if you're on church online and, and you can click um, the prayer thing as well, if you want someone to pray with you particularly. But wherever you are, just respond in, in this moment. Maybe you're watching it on YouTube. You think, yeah, that's me. Just, you know, raise your hands. But I want to encourage you, friends, if this is you this morning, if you're thinking, yeah, you know what? My joy is taking a battering right now then just raise your hand, be it physically or on the, on the Zoom button that, that, that says that. And I want to pray for you right now that you might know a fresh encounter with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I can see a few going up there. So I want to pray, Lord God, right now for these dear friends who are responding in this moment. Lord, thank you for these dear friends. God, these people I know and love and uh, yeah, others too that will be responding on YouTube or church online, maybe some that uh, we don't know, or look, perhaps just looking in today. Right now, Lord, I want to pray for any who are responding in whatever and by whatever means. I pray, God, right now, let your joy come afresh. Right now, in this moment, Lord, we, we speak the joy of the Lord into, into hearts afresh. Lord, where, where joy has been under attack, where it's taken a battering, where people feel under it, Lord God, I pray right now, let your joy come in Jesus' name. May the God of hope fill you with all joy as well as peace and hope. <laughs> Let joy come in Jesus' name. God, I pray it will well up in a way that perhaps hasn't been experienced for so long. Lord, let joy well up in worship as we respond a bit later in worship and song. Let joy come where joy has got stuck. Lord, I pray, let today be like an unbottling of joy in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I've got this sort of picture of like a, like a champagne cork. You know, it's like if you open a, a bottle of champagne or fizzy wine that's been, been shaken and it's all, you know, you take the cork out and bang, it just goes, it goes everywhere. Like those F Formula One drivers on the podium, you know, where they're, they're just spraying each other with this stuff. I'm there thinking, I want to drink that. I don't want to spray it. <laughs> but hey, I believe it wants, God wants it to be like that for the joy of the spirit in your life. It will just bubble over like you cannot contain it. 
And friends, there are some of you this morning that have been known for this in the past. And you think, I've just, it's just, I've lost it. It's gone. It's like you've gone out for a walk and it's just disappeared. You've lost it. You don't know where it is. God wants to restore joy to you today. I'm prophesying it. I believe it. I believe God's going to come by his spirit. So God, be at work, please. <laughs> right across this virtual screen. Right across dear friends that I can see, others that I can't. Lord, let joy come in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. I am so looking forward to being able to meet together in person and being allowed to place our hands on one another and pray and, and pray for God's spirit to fill and bless. I'm certainly looking forward to that in the not, not too distant future. Bless you. Bless you guys. Well, we should, we should get back to Nehemiah, shouldn't we? Uh, I, I warned you this might happen. We'd, we'd go off on one and Adam and Rachel will be sitting there going, we're running out of time here. It's all right. Don't worry. We're back in Nehemiah. We're going to get back to the text because that's what we need to do. We're looking at the text here in Nehemiah. And we see that, that Nehemiah instructs the people to worship God with the music of cymbals and harps and lyres. This was not a quiet, reflective service. We've got harps and cymbals and lyres. This was loud. I mean, have you ever seen a quiet cymbal? You know, I, I love seeing Alex going for it there on the drums. You know, he's giving it some. And, um, you know, it's not quiet. I can imagine Adam and Rachel going, you're right there. He's not quiet. <laughs> You know, symbols are loud. This was a loud celebration. And the musicians here were brought together to help lead the people. And we've got these two large choirs there. And they sort of, they're they brought together and you've got, you know, the, the choir masters. I'm sure they would have rehearsed them and trained them well. And, you know, they, they climb up on the walls and these two great choirs head off in opposite directions on top of the walls. I mean, think about it. What a sight. It would have been incredible to watch it, incredible to see it. This was a large celebration. Now listen, who leads the choir in one direction? Do you notice it here? This is in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 36. Who's the worship leader heading off one way? Well, it tells us here. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. I, I read that again this week. I thought I was I was fascinated by that. I thought, isn't it incredible that Ezra, the teacher, so this is the preacher guy, this is the I'm gonna teach you God's word guy. He's the one there, <laughs> he's the one there leading the people in worship. Isn't it wonderful? You know, too often we separate out word and worship. You know, if you think of your most theologically astute preacher that you know, you know, would you describe them as a wild worship leader? Too often we, we separate it out and we think, oh, they're, 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 they're the preacher guy, they're, they're the preacher person, they're great with God's word, and, and over there you get the wild worship leader. Same person here. Here is someone in Ezra 
who understands that word and worship are inextricably linked. He's not sitting back thinking, you know what, I've done my bit. I've preached the law, I've preached the word, and now it's up to the uh, the musicians and, and the choirs and the worship leaders to do their stuff. No, no, no. Ezra is right in the thick of it, leading one of these processions. You know, I love this. Here is somebody who is deeply rooted in God's word and at the same time is a passionate worshipper. What a great combination that is. You see, the reading of God's word, for them it was the law, for us we've got the, the whole of God's word here in the Bible. It, it should always lead us to worship or repentance or celebration or, or something. It should lead us to a response. We shouldn't be just readers of God's word and go, oh, well, that was nice. God's word isn't there to be nice it's there to do something to our heart to lead us to god to reveal god to us there should be a response in our hearts and the response here for nehemiah and ezra you know they've read god's word they've completed the wall that task that god put in nehemiah's heart to do that led to joyful celebration and so once the choirs have done their marching around, I guess at some point they sort of collided with each other. That would have been fun. They've done their marching around and they're singing. Then They come together. There's great celebration, great joy, great worship. We're told in verse 43, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Something was really going on here. You see, Nehemiah wasn't only interested in building a wall. He was setting out to build a whole new community, a whole new way of life. The war was important, but it symbolised something much more. Nehemiah was bringing hope to broken people. Nehemiah was bringing hope to broken people. He was establishing a way of life that would honour God and be good for the people and good for the city. Worship was central to this it's not just an afterthought it's right at the heart of who they are as the people of God Nehemiah is building a worshipping people so you can guess where I'm going with this now what about us what about us God has called us Jubilee Burton Family Church He's called us to be a worshipping people. Right at the heart of who we are is being a vibrant worshipping community, one full of joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we go through testing times. Even the fact we're having church like this shows we're in the middle of a testing time, doesn't it? We'd much rather be in one room together and worshipping in the way that we know and love. We're in a testing time right now. I know that sometimes life is hot. For many of you, it is right now. I know that. I get that. I'm not suggesting unreality here. All of us, the last year or so has been challenging to say the least. Many have suffered loss. Some of you have suffered, lost loved ones. Others of you have lost jobs or at least lost the routine and normality of life as it was. I know that. I, I get that. 
maybe for some of you that pain is is still deep it's still raw but what i'm speaking about here is a deep joy in god a deep knowing him a pleasure that is found only in him and when we gather together a vibrant and passionate time of worship one full of joy as a result I remember reading this quote about joy. I don't know where it's from. If any of you recognize it and know where it's from, please let me know because I'd love to be able to attribute it. But it says this, joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul that no circumstance, event or human can steal away from us. It's delighting in God and choosing to rejoice in all things. This doesn't mean that we're always in a good mood but we can remain in an unexplainable place of contentment. Isn't that good? Joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul. And friends, that's the place that God wants us to be. And if we come to God in that way, we can be obedient to scripture when we're commanded to come into his presence with thanksgiving, to, to make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise, to quote from psalm 95 we've prayed about this subject of joy already so i'm going to move on for the sake of time but let's remember as well to love and care for those who are going through difficult and challenging times we should be embracing those who are finding life difficult right now for whatever reason and if that's you you're welcome here you really are very welcome here you're valued you're loved even if you've lost your joy, you have a place here and you're welcome and known. But we want you to experience God's joy as well. So are our gatherings generally characterised by our joy, vibrancy, celebration, worship? Well, we're going to find out in a moment when Adam and Rachel are going to lead us in worship once again. Before they do, let me say this. As we contemplate and plan meeting together in person once again i want to encourage us to be that worshiping people full of joy i was talking with the team at the school this week about how we're going to make it work and what they're doing to put in place for us they're being so kind to try and make it work as as well as they can and i say it must be must be so good to be able to think about being together again and it really is it really is but when we come together again are we going to be that worshipping people that God has called us to be? You know, corporate worship is one of the things that I have missed the most over the last year or so. You know, it's been so good to be together online in this way and some other ways that we've done it. I'm so grateful for those that, that make it possible to, for us to do this each week. Those that you often don't see who are hidden behind screens and just make it all work for us. I, I'm so grateful for them. But it's not the same as being together in person. You know, I, I can listen to a preach on my own. Maybe you do. I might be in the car driving somewhere. That doesn't happen much at the moment, but normally I'll be in the car driving somewhere. I might stick a preach on or I'll be going out for a walk and listen to a preach. So I can do that on my own. And I guess you can too, and that's fine. But you can't replicate or replace corporate worship being together with one another, the body of Christ gathered together in one place. There is something about being together. 
And even more so when we share communion together. And we'll do that week two of our new in-person gatherings. It's not about having the best band or indeed any band. Although obviously gifted musicians do help us. It's about entering God's presence as his people. I know a number of church leaders who are talking about their churches needing to learn to worship together again. And I think there's probably truth in that. I know that many of you have and do press in uh, as much as you are able to <laughs> on Zoom each week. And yeah, pray out and prophesy and bring tongues, interpretation. It's well done. I know it's not easy to do that at the best of times, but when you've got to unmute yourself and make sure the connection's working and is, is there somebody else doing it? You're just going for it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. But it's so easy, isn't it, to get into the habit of just watching worship because you're watching it on a screen like you watch a film or a movie or a TV program. We can just end up watching it if, if we're not careful. Of course, you can worship God on your own. I know that. I do that. I love doing that. I'm sure you do too. The, the psalmist certainly did. We've got plenty of examples of that uh, in the psalms. But there is something about being together as God's people that I want to call us to and look forward to just in a very few weeks' time. We, like so many other churches around the world, pressed pause on that a year or so ago for the sake of the health and safety of ourselves and others, the communities that we're in. But that was a temporary and necessary move, certainly for us, not a permanent one. So as I finish and um, Adam picks his guitar up, there's a cue there, Adam, I want to encourage us today to look forward to gathering together and worshipping God with great celebration, great joy. You know, I, I was thinking about this this week. For those of you who are around Jubilee, right at the earliest days, you'll know that it, Jubilee was built on a foundation of worship. We didn't know how to do much. I mean, we don't know how to do much now, if I'm really honest. But one thing we could do was find a guitar and worship God. And so we did lots of that. And really, that was the foundation of what's become Jubilee. It was always so important to us. And it still is. I believe it's one reason why we now find ourselves in a position of, of having such a fantastic group of musicians and singers. You know, as a church, we are blessed. We, we really are very blessed with the musicians and singers that we've got. Now, I know we haven't lost that heart of worship, but I do believe we need to re-emphasise it once again as we start to meet together in person. And so maybe it will be in the middle of a school playing field with nothing more than the guitar to help us, or as I suggested to Naomi, maybe my piano accordion, that might come out of the loft, you never know, you might be lucky. <laughs> but, you know, the important thing is... It's not whether it's a guitar or a band. Actually, the important thing is gathering together to worship. Just like Nehemiah and the new residents of Jerusalem found, there was something about worshipping and celebrating with great joy the goodness, the kindness, the faithfulness and the love of God. And doing that, not on their own, but doing it together.
So friends, I know that some of you won't be able to join us in person straight away, and that's fine. We'll be streaming it, as we've said, if you're unable to get there in person. But for all of us that are able to, I want to encourage us to be, I was going to say back in a room, I'm going to say back in a space, back in a field, back worshipping God together as the people of God and allowing him to speak to us, to minister to us, to encourage us and bless us as we worship and adore our great King. Amen. 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 listening to this jubilee church podcast feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any sunday morning